Kevin, I'm not uh, I'm not sick anymore. That's good, finally. It, it feels good, right? Did finally. you get sick? No, I didn't. Not yet. Knock on wood. It. Knock on wood, because I did not get sick yet. I made it all the way to episode 24. You've been sick for like two episodes. I get sick a lot. I can't help it. I blame it on all my terrible nieces and nephews for being just germ factories. Just little kids germ factories. Something's got to be done. <laughs> Something does have to be done. I have to get my house insulated. And who better than our guest this week? Scott Hayes from New York Sash, who gave us 20 minutes to talk about the teddy bear toss this weekend. And New York Sash is a company. Really fascinating interview. I'm very excited. I gotta tell you, there was a hell of a tie in. I'm getting your house insulated. That was good, right? Get your house insulated, folks. (laughs) Episode 24. feel like hot burning death ripping through my body from the sickness yeah i gotta tell you it's good to be sitting in here sitting in studio with you not expecting you to spread your germs to me and higgins i think that's why higgins hasn't been coming she doesn't want your germs it's not the only reason she hasn't been coming um (laughs) i think but i'll tell you whether you were there in the house while i was getting sick and maybe you remember this maybe you don't i got like i don't know if there's a word for being sick and angry i guess it would be like Sangry, if we're following the Sangria is very close to sangria. Sangria. Yeah. I was I was so sick that every time I would cough or sneeze, I would like scream and swear because I was mad at myself for allowing myself to be I can definitely sick. I can definitely identify with that. I do I hate being sick to the worst. Uh, and I got and uh we I got started to get well just in time for last week's jingle jam fundraiser. At the dev, which I, we were that at. went so well. I, you know, I didn't come until later. I couldn't obviously get there until eight o'clock. But man, what a turnout! Mm-hmm. For those who were here last, uh, who listened to last week's episode with uh, guest Kate Riley, who was on talking about the Jingle Jam, it was a, uh, it was a what's the word I'm looking for? It's a success. It's a uh, roaring success. Roaring success, right? Go. That's the word I'm looking for. It, uh, they raised over two thousand um, dollars, and that's awesome. It was a great yeah. event. Really packed. Whoever did the tacos. Excellent work with the taco that was, bar. Uh, that's Dan Walter. It's Tim's Woo! Tim's head chef down there at the Dev. And you won something. I did. The- I won in the raffle. Uh, there was, you know, what the funny thing was, I was going up there and I was looking at the raffle and I'm trying to figure out what to put. And when they sold tickets by the wingspan, that means middle finger to middle finger spread out. Anybody who knows me, I got a hell of a wingspan. Huge they gave oversight. Me a lot of tickets. Yeah, huge, huge oversight. Huge oversight for ten bucks. But I'm looking at these baskets and I'm trying to figure out what to put in. I'm like, all right, well, there's the Saranac basket. I don't want that. I got enough of that. Uh, there's the Maiden Utica basket. I'd probably put that in the box. I don't want that. <laughs> yeah. And like I'm going through like topping tree. Heather does great work, but uh, you know, no. <laughs> exactly. So I put all my tickets in like two or three bins, and I ended up winning. And I won a plate of the drunken cupcakes from the Dev. <sighs> so it's uh, the cupcakes they make with like a little bit of you know nominal amount of booze. Nominal booze. And like in all these different flavors. And this, I think I, I does Tim Tram's mom. Make I'm those? under the impression I had been That's under what the I heard impression too. that good friend of the show. Tim Schramm's mom makes the drunken cupcakes. They were delicious. Woo! Round of applause to Tim Schramm's mom because yeah, she did. Indeed. Those cupcakes were delicious. Um, speaking of the Jingle Jam, we had attempted to give away tickets last week, and it didn't really happen. Uh, I ended up giving them away to two people at work that mm-hmm. I work with. Uh, and it wasn't that we didn't get responses. We did get responses. The problem was I chose the winner 
And the winner at the last minute decided that they couldn't go. Oh. Uh, that being said, I'm going to try and find the winning tweet. Because the question was, what was your best adolescent uh, Christmas or holiday gift, right? Is what so we what, ended up what, was with? The, what was the best Christmas present you got when you were like a young teen? Yeah, young teen. Okay. The winner was from Amper Steph, at Amper Steph on Twitter. Okay. okay. Probably the year my parents told me I was going to space camp. Oh. Living the 90s dream. Oh, man. Yeah, that's definitely the best. I heard a lot of good ones. That's definitely the best Christmas present. That's the winner. I did hear one guy, and he, this was a good one, too. This was from Blue underscore E22 on okay. Twitter. He's an older guy, and he said, a transistor radio. Most of the kids today won't know what that is. I know what it is, but I don't want one. No, it does not I seem much like to go to space camp. Although I feel like the kids who play with transistor radios probably have the advantage of space camp. That's true. They probably Do you know, know what's has what? anybody, if there's anybody listening to the show, if there's anybody who's ever actually been to space camp and can tell us if it was as cool as it seemed, I would love to know. I, I don't like, actually know anybody that's been to space camp. I feel camp. like there's no way it could be as good as the commercials, right? The Nothing commercials are as good as the commercials. So thanks for all the responses, guys, uh, and thank you to the people I gave the tickets away to for responding at work. My friend, yeah, yeah. Uh, my good friend Haley and her her boyfriend Dante. So congratulations, Dante! Great name, great name. Anyhow, uh, so after the event was over, the Jingle Jam, yeah, we got uh, some feedback on Twitter uh, about the Toys for Teens and Operation Sunshine and all that. Okay, and someone had responded to us and said, "If I missed the Jingle Jam." How can I contribute to Operation Sunshine? Oh, well, I'm glad you asked, folks. We are still doing Operation Uticast. We are up to $200, which uh, makes us one fifth to our uh, to our original goal. Oh, wait, did we say it was 500? I think Aaron changed it I to 500. She, she may have. <laughs> she changed it. To, well, because Aaron originally wanted to set it like, let's just make it 20,000. The people will do it. And we're like, I don't know who she thought we were going to. The, the raging um, optimist that she tries to hide from the world. Uh, but update, though. The big leader, still your brother, Andrew Sullivan, that's, at forty-one dollars. That's true. Um, big four. One. We're gonna have to decide when this whole thing ends. Like we have to put an end date on this at some point in time yeah. in the next couple of weeks. Yeah. Uh, but again, folks, if you were not able to make it to the Jingle Jam and you would mm-hmm. like to uh, support uh, people in need this holiday, you can still give to Operation Sunshine. Go to our Twitter, and you can see the link. On our Twitter to the GoFundMe page uh, for Operation Uticast, uh, the highest uh, the highest uh, donation will be the guest on a special episode of the Uticast. Or, as I've mentioned before, if you give one or two dollars, Aaron Higgins will send you a mean tweet. That's true. That's she was working on Aaron Higgins is sending mean tweets to everybody who donates. Oh. Seems counterintuitive a little bit. Yes, it does <laughs> seem counterintuitive. Um... And one more thing before we start busting into some other stuff. Uh, within the next two weeks, maybe not next week, but the week afterwards will be the Christmas episode. So for any of you folks who have any holiday-themed mailbag questions, we'll be doing a holiday mailbag in two weeks, the special Christmas holiday spectacular. Uh, so please get your questions in, uticast at gmail.com. Com. I'm I'm looking forward to that. You know, we get we always talk about we don't get that much mailbag to the point where like we're sifting through you know 30 letters a yeah, week or three, whatever. Four a week maybe. But when we get the people, especially for certain things, we get certain people that are contributors who always have really interesting questions. And I love when we get a question from someone. I'm like, oh wow, that's oh, actually yeah. that's awesome. That's really like yeah. that's a good question. I know some of the ones that haven't made the show yet. 
that will eventually are ones that we end up talking about for 20 minutes at length, even though, you know, if we're not on air or whatever like that. Is this on air? Are we it's, on the air? Like, th- at this moment in time, Monday night, are we on the air? Well, we're recording. So anytime we're recording, we're technically on the air. But being on the air doesn't really translate to podcasting no. the same way. Uh, we're recording live, I guess, is the way you could put it, right? Nice. I'll take that. Um, all right. So that's all the Utica mailbag stuff. Anything else? What do we want to talk about? Um, I did want to feel. I did want to talk about being a little unfilled at my job. But I feel like there's no point. I think it's just the season, right? I'm feeling a little down about work. Not happy with my chosen employment. Um, I feel like, you know, with, without going too much into it, I could see where a job like yours probably leads to some, like, repetitive motion injuries in your head where it's just like it's the same thing, ad nauseum every single day. Yeah. And it yeah. deals in, you know, a relatively like, depressing field and stuff like that, which I can see where that is, you know. Well, I had an interesting conversation about this on my breaks today with one Mike Beck, who was one of the guests on our show, because I reached out to him about a couple jobs I had read about. Mm-hmm. And he made an interesting point. He said he read, he said he read a book where even the people who go to work loving their job every day still hate their job 30% of the time. Oh, yeah. I, I got to tell you, I fall into that. I fall into that because I, I love my job and I'm yeah. very happy at my job. But I think 30% is a fair estimate where I'm just like, I have had it. I'm so annoyed this and that. And I think that's just part of, you know, almost part of the human condition in the modern day and age to yeah. not be like fully fulfilled with, you know, your job every day. And, and I understand that, but 30%, I could understand. I feel like 80 to 90% of my job I dislike. Yeah. But that's a big, that's a major concern for me. And I'm also sort of trapped, right? I can't leave the job now. It's the middle of the holiday season. I have all it's my true. vacation time that it's I true. just put in for. I got to make use of that Amazon Prime account too. Got to make use of that Amazon Prime account. Oof, Amazon Prime. We'll talk about that later. Um, (laughs) All right. I guess we could – I guess that's all we nearly need to talk about for right now. Let's dive right in. Now, so it's it's interesting to say because at this time in recording the show, we're going to, you know, give you a peek behind the curtain. Uh, We sit here on Monday night and we do the show. And as it stands right now and we finish segment one, we do not know if Aaron Higgins will be with us on the next segment. We have not heard back. It's not official. Not a clue. There is a mysterious shape in the green room. Could be her. Could be someone else. Could be a pile of clothes, honestly. So uh, something's coming back after the break. Stay tuned and find out with us. But you brought this uh, this Ubu variety pack. I did. This is the the Lake Placid. Oh yeah, Lake Placid. That's yeah, right. Lake Placid. They make Ubu, the Big Slide IPA. It's all good stuff. This uh, whatever this one's called, this chocolate vanilla porter, seasonal porter. It's a black tie, chocolate vanilla porter. Feeling good. Hey, speaking of which, that uh, mysterious shape in the green room was not Aaron Higgins, unfortunately. It was indeed the man who closed <laughs> and opened the festivities at last week's Jingle Jam event. DJ No Requests himself. Mr. Maiden Utica, Justin Parkinson. Hi, again. How many, how many more episodes until Justin, like, is just on the show? Well, there's, now that I've opened and closed, my <laughs> musical career is probably going to take off, and I might not have time for you anymore. That's so. a good point. Well, there's, there's always hope. Again. There's <laughs> always hope. Yeah, there is a chance. Uh, how's, your, uh, how's your holiday treating you so far, buddy? Oh, 
good. Have you done any Christmas shopping yet? <laughs> no. I feel like this is all. This is the make or break time of the year for the holiday season. Like if you lay all the groundwork in the first couple of weeks of December, you will sail smoothly through Christmas. But if you leave it to the last minute, Christmas is going to be a battlefield. It's me and the single dads on Christmas Eve, <laughs> all all getting stuff for the so kids. Single, so it's the single dads on Christmas Eve. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. Yeah, I got to tell you, I just just started doing Christmas shopping last week. Yeah. Uh, and again, I hate to say it. I love the small businesses. That's going to be next week. This week was primarily laying the foundation on Amazon Prime. I did a lot of foundation gift gift buying this week. Well, you and me, you and me had an interesting conversation about the difference between, you know, because we're both, we're all very supportive, you know, shop local and stuff like that. I think actually I've talked to both of you guys about this separately. Um, shopping local is great. It's awesome to get people unique presents that they can't get other places. But for Sam, a guy like you, where you've got a ton of nieces and nephews, the type of stuff that you're generally buying for them is still going to be like toys and like large scale products. Yeah. And if you're going to do that, you're crazy not to go on Amazon. Exactly. I'll tell you what though, this is kind of cool. My nephew is now old enough where he asked for a cool Christmas present for once. Oh, what did he ask? Well, I asked my sister, what can I get Oliver for Christmas? And she says, she said flood. And I said, okay, what's flood? Is this like a game or some sort of like, you know, some sort of new toy? She's like, no, it's a They Might Be Giants CD. And I said, oh, hell yeah. Wow. Hell yeah. That's Asking so weird to me if this 10-year-old is into They Might Be Giants. Like, that, that's, you know, that's one thing, you know, a 10-year-old's like, oh, I really like the Beatles, or I like, you know, something, like some guitar rock well, band. More like, They Might Be Giants is pretty left. More importantly, did she literally, they, he wants a CD? A 10-year-old wants, wants a, a CD? A CD of, <laughs> that's an amazing. That's like, <laughs> that's like a 10-year-old mirror going I'm asking for a record. And that's, how, and, that's how, and that's how much of a dirty hipster I am. Yeah. I'm like... Are you sure he doesn't want the vinyl? I can get him the vinyl copy. <laughs> <laughs> burn the CD. And my sister, and my sister is just like, don't. What are you dumb? Don't get it. He's not going to use a. We don't have a record player. This isn't the seventies. You know, Justin, you say that now on the show is not yeah. the time to dig into it. But I got to tell you one time, your your buddy Famo's uh, mix CD making with designs Ooh. with Sharpie marker all over them game was unparalleled in the earlier part of the last decade. Not Listen. surprised. The hopeless romantic. There's a couple. Ex- he is the hopeless. <laughs> romantic. There's That's a fair. couple ex girlfriends floating around who probably have. Full CD booklets, full of like designed mix CDs. This kid would, this kid would give out mix CDs like in volumes, like parts of anthologies. Like, hey, sweetie, here's Sam and Girl X Volume Seven, Return to Hell, or whatever. It you is. know what? That's a good idea for anyone who wants to uh, donate to our GoFundMe account. If you, oh, if you donate, this is a good idea. I see if where you you're donate, going right now. how much? <laughs> But that's a good amount. Five. five. <laughs> you donate five dollars to the Utica, Operation Uticast GoFundMe account. I will personally make you a specialty Famo mix CD. Five dollars. I'm, don- I'm donating literally that's right a, now. It's it's a, a, that's a good I'm idea. Sure. I hope that resounds with the people. Yeah, I'm, I'm picturing like right. the one or two girls who you know probably listen and have tons of these CDs at their house and stuff. Yes. Right? That's the last thing I need. Exactly. <laughs> no, I don't want any of this crap. Uh, so yeah, uh, bought my nephew uh, a CD for Christmas. I hope he doesn't listen to the podcast because I just ruined Christmas for him if that's the case. Oh, wow. Uh, well, no, he's obviously buying CDs, which I think he's yeah. not quite into the digital world yet. Should we start should putting episodes of the podcast yeah. on CDs? <laughs> you know, it's it's funny. Uh, this is there's another season going on right now, and it's not just the holiday season, the shopping season. It's a little more of an ambiguous season. A season Easy I, season. <laughs> Easy season approaching. Okay. Now, uh, it is something. Apparently, I, I found this out on the internet, guys. It's apparently something called cuffing season. Are you I, familiar? I am familiar. I know what that is. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, for those of you who don't know, uh, maybe I'm 
making this up. The idea is cuffing season is the time of year between uh, November winter. and... Winter months, like fall to... February, right? Fall right before spring. Valentine's Day. Yeah. Where you want to be in a relationship so that you can get through the holidays more easily. Right. I've always heard it pushed as like because it's the cold winter months and like you want somebody to like be inside like watching movies and on the couch. Yeah, like, like you right. literally have nothing to which I to say do, it's so you just snowing, like find another person. Person. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, See, that doesn't sound that much different than what I would normally like to do is just watch TV and movies anyway. So I don't understand. Well, it terrifies me that there's a phrase for it, and then when I when you explain it and I think about it. If not directly for me, but people I know as well, like that most definitely happens. But is it a it does typical I th- I think, versus summer? I, I think know. a part I of it. I think okay, go ahead. I okay. I am the youngest member of my family, right? Yeah, I'm the only one who's not married. I'm the only one who doesn't have kids. I'm the only one who's still sort of solo. Wears diapers, huh? Wears diapers. Yes. Well, you know, I don't talk about that in here. <laughs> uh, I'm the only one who still like is a single man, which is fine for me. But when I have to sit there on the holidays and watch, like, my brothers and sisters with their kids and, like, my parents, you know, my parents, my mom and stepdad are still married. It is, there is a certain amount of, like, it's kind of shitty that there's not, like, someone who I could be sharing this moment with. I can with, understand right? that. I think the holidays bring a real sense of, like, there's there's always this concept of nostalgia for something that doesn't even necessarily exist. Exactly. When it's coming up to Christmas, like, it's it's a nice concept to have a person to share it with. Like, you want those Hallmark moments. And that's all fine and good in your head. But the reality of the situation, what a lot of people end up doing is, okay, well, this is somebody I met at the tail end of summer. We've been, quote-unquote, hanging out mm-hmm. for, like, six weeks now. It's getting to be that time of year, so let's say we're in a relationship to get through Christmas. I find it easier to navigate Christmas and the holidays, I mean, you know, completely unencumbered. Like, you don't want to have to... Be concerned with like introducing somebody to your family who you know is going to make. I've never yeah. been a big believer of being in a relationship just for the sake of being in a relationship. I think it's a toxic trap that too many people fall yeah. into, mm-hmm. and I think I think it's a horrible idea. So I get wanting to have somebody there, yeah. But if I, it's not there I, organically, I'm not going to yeah. force it with whoever happens to be around. I also don't like buying gifts for people. Um, no, outside, I don't believe it. Outside of my immediate family, though, around Christmas in particular, because yeah. it's a slippery slope. You know what I mean, like. Who do you end up buying That's stuff a really for good and this point. and that? That's a really um, good point. And then how serious is your buying? It's not like you have a conversation ahead of time. It's like, well, I'm going to get you a new wallet because you need it. All right, I'll grab that thing. Right. Like, It's not a convenience thing. It's like if I come in underwhelming on that gift, like what kind of message is that Well, what kind of relationship are we even having? Like, Can I just get you a They Might Be Giant CD? <laughs> <or a> <laughs> <laughs> like, what's I got to say you right now, Parkinson, I've already ordered your Christmas gift. You're getting a Christmas gift. He has. I so. have. Uh, everyone's getting Christmas gifts. Yeah, yeah, I'm getting you one too. Uh, yeah. yeah, see, that's what I thought. I thought that's this was I the thought. part of the conversation where you're like, yeah, I have a gift. It's that I live upstairs. From yeah, this is like giving you gifts right. two months early. So, so what do you, so coughing season where Uticast um, does not endorse coughing season? No, I don't really endorse it. Uh, there's no reason to force your way into like some, some relationship. No. Yeah. Uh, just for the sake of like seeming more well to do. Also, and holidays, you're probably seeing family members for the most part that you see very few times a year, maybe that one. So if it's the appearance that even oh he's somebody, doing fine, he's got a girlfriend, he's progressing even in life. But then the next cons- year, if you don't, it's like what happened to that nice girl? You know, that's kind even of as like, somebody who considers myself close to my family, I still only see my family outside of like you know my brother and my people, sister exactly, and like yeah. you know a few like really core it's a heavy people. investment to bring someone for around. the majority of my family. I see them a couple times a year, and that's exactly it. Like I don't want to spend my whole holiday like 
introducing and coddling, and I don't want to be that guy who brings a different girl to a, you know Christmas every year or something because that's not the guy you want to be. Mm-hmm. And like, yeah, I don't know. I'm just I, I'm I'm with you guys. There's no reason to force it. Yeah, no, I hear you. Let's, cuffing uh, season is out. No cuffing season. Uncuff. 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 Uncuffable. Uncuffable. Uncuff. Uncuff. <laughs> the uncuffable Justin Parkinson <laughs> is pretty good. Says uncuff yourself from cuffing season. <laughs> Hashtag uncuffable. Um, so uh, I have to leave the show early. I'm on Twitter right now. Uh, let's move on to something else. Uh, it's been a, co- a topic of conversation the last couple weeks. Uh, the Uber. The Uber thing, Justin. Uh, you went to that meeting, right? Yeah, you went to the Uber meeting. I did. How was that? What went on? Because I didn't, I couldn't make it. I was at work. What, it was. was... Um, it was basically um, the first. I would say two hours was an open forum where they kind of gave their presentation, um, which and in, in the, what they're doing is they're looking for legislation to make it legal in New York, uh, which ties into skirting around taxi things and blah blah blah. But yeah, the yeah. point being is that technically the service itself and its model isn't doesn't have the proper legislation in New York, so. All right. the big wigs and politicians and everything were there. They gave their pr- presentation, overwhelming support from the people in the building. Overwhelming. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, I mean it, and it seems like it's a natural. Here's my natural question so. to you, and I don't think that I've asked this yet. And um, you know, everybody's talking about this Uber thing, and they're having meetings. And they're talking about Uber here in Utica. How realistic is expecting to see this come anytime soon? Here, I, I guess here's my question: Is like. We're talking about Uber in Utica, but I can't get an Uber in Buffalo or Albany yeah. or Syracuse or That's Rochester. contingent on their legislation. Is Uber having this in hundreds of different cities yeah. all over the Northeast? Yeah. yeah. Yep. And that's what's going on, yep. so it's just isolated to here because so that it's seems to get to in me, states that they're not in. Yeah. That yeah. seems to me like if they can get through with it, they're poised to explode. Oh yeah. Explode. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Um I, I really do think look, for as much as I think there's a, a false impression that I am anti-Uber because I've been a little negative about it. You know it. what it comes out? Here's, here's something I'll say about that real quick before you get into it. There's an impression that you may be anti-Uber, but realistically, with most of the people in town here, even if you've been on vacation and you called some Ubers one time and you were in larger cities, you just have an opinion because you've dealt with Uber. Yes. It's not a theoretical thing. Like, you've dealt with it as a regular mode of transportation. Yeah, because, cheers, guys. <laughs> Well, well, living in New York, Ubers were everywhere. <laughs> right, they were well, all over the place. Um, no, and here's the thing: I, I don't think Uber would necessarily even be unsuccessful here. I think that there, you know, we've talked about the fact there's not that many cabs here, even though there are cab services here. It does seem like they're not very reliable either. Yeah, it's not that. Many. I've had I've had a lot of car trouble over the years, and I've had to call cabs for things like getting to work, getting. And there have been nights where I'm out, and I'm like, I'm definitely not driving. The night yeah. got away from me. I'm calling a cab. I feel like if Uber was here. And I'm sitting there, I'm like, I can pay this money, and some dude will just come pick me up in his car, bring me to my house. If I couldn't, like, call one of my friends to do that because I was out with him, I'll call that yeah, guy. Yeah. No cash exchange, which was, like, one of no their big exchange. things. So that, that was that's kind of cool, too. So I was always I'm a cash guy. I Barrick. like cash. Von Barrick, yeah, I thing. would always do, like, I would take $40 with me, and then when that money was gone, that was my cue to go get out. Yeah, <laughs> and then, but when you need a taxi, I'm like, ah, now i got to go to the ATM, pay three, you know. Right. right there, so. This is an interesting, I got this question in an email earlier this week. Um, and it sort of relates to this. Talks about like, uh, besides Uber, what other businesses do we not have locally that you think would do well here? You have any thoughts on this? It's a good question. That's a really who was that? Uh, it's kind of a takeoff on a question that was sent in from good friend of the pod, Jeremy Williams. Jeremy Williams, a great great base yeah. of a question, at least. Yeah, I don't. I, that's I'm interested to hear what you have to say. I got one for so you. That's intriguing. Uh, and again, this is another New York thing. And I don't. This one I actually don't know how well it would work here, but it was something that was very ubiquitous in New York, and it makes a lot of sense. 
either Seamless or Grubhub, okay? Seamless and Grubhub, for people who don't know what that is, is basically uh, food delivery over the internet as opposed to having to call. So instead of calling the Chinese restaurant, you order off the internet. Seems simple enough, except when you go to Grubhub, it's literally every Chinese restaurant in a 50-mile radius, and you can pick and choose, and there's ratings. It's sort of like Yelp plus food ordering at the same time. that's a good idea. I love the idea that I could type into Grubhub in Utica pizza and get like 15 different pizza options and choose the one I want and order it through the internet and not even have to call somebody on the phone. Gives you more opportunity to choose different businesses. And it cuts out the need of like <coughs> Parkway and Rosario's and Tony's and Oskinates to all build their own pizza ordering app because Domino's has that. But like yeah. something that just encompasses all the business around, that'd be a good idea. And it's... And I think they, they did – there is something sort of like that in there Utica. Was, you know, I saw – there was a kid I remember reading about. He's already uh, out. He's already yeah, out. Taxes. I remember and seeing and things like I that. Seeing which that maybe being a thing. Fu- that kind of fell into like an Uber thing because like drivers, which made like – so they were working for him. But even as freelancers type of deal, there's some weird stuff in there. The like laws have made it very so hard. Mm. Insurance. So it was a weird – yeah. The laws weird, have made difficult. it very hard for somebody to go into business for themselves and make an inventive new way of making money. I wonder <laughs> if it's by design. Um, a business that I would like to see here, and I don't know how well supported it would be or whatever, but just for myself personally, and this is something that used to exist, and Sam, when you moved back from New York, you would ask me about this. We do have a fair amount of laundromats in this city. Mm-hmm. If there was a place where I could just bring a big bag of laundry and come back oh, the yeah. next day or whatever and pick it up and it's folded and in a package and just done, I would pay a premium for that mm-hmm. service because realistically... I have a washer, I have a dryer, I could do my own laundry, I'm pretty busy, and I, I know that I hate laundry, I know that about mm-hmm. myself, I'm more likely to just let it sit and put it off for as long as I yep. can and just do a bare bones load. If there was somebody I could bring it all to and just have it done, I would be happy to pay a little bit extra for that. So anybody listening, if you like, <laughs> just pay you and drop <laughs> all my laundry at your house, being say, out as long as you fold it, you're getting paid. There was definitely a little bit of culture shock <laughs> for me in that, because that was so ubiquitous as a thing that I did in New York for so long. I just didn't have a laundry, I didn't have washer and dryer i didn't i had one two days off a week i really didn't want to spend my whole day off trekking to the lawn going and back and carry all your you have to carry all your dirty yeah. clothes so i would drop stuff. it off like after work on a friday go home do whatever pick it up on saturday morning and then boom there you go what are they, what's yeah. ballpark what do they charge for something like so that? i went once a week when i was in new york about once every seven to ten days hit you anywhere between Eight to fifteen dollars, depending oh, on how big or small. It? Lo- Depends how big or small it is. I don't go through a lot of clothes. Yeah, I was working still, at a restaurant. Eight to fifteen dollars a week to have someone wash and fold your laundry. Yeah. I would. I would easily. I would. I would pay. Like, I would pay. Oh I would pay twenty bucks a week for somebody. I would have a monthly subscription in a heartbeat. <laughs> Just in a heartbeat. Bill me every month. Park. What about you? Any businesses you think we should have in here that we don't yet that we think we could support? No, I think you guys know know my take on that i think we got a lot of cool stuff as is um we're definitely staying up on the trends in terms of even the uber discussion which would probably be the obvious answer so um i think there's a lot of just cool stuff here that we don't have to ultimately you know look for more and more and more you know what I mean? that's like, true so I, I don't really think about that I, I really think we got a good thing going well and that that's a good point we're in you know the thing and that's why i liked when he phrased it you know new businesses because like we've you know we've talked about before, we've got so many cool places like restaurants and cafes and bars opening, but Utica's only so big. We can only support and patronize so many businesses here. So like, uh-huh. for as much as I love a place like Bite and I love a place like Utica Bread, if four more of those opened within the same three block radius, eventually 
some of those would just be cut out. You know oh, what yeah. I mean? So like you, because you hate to see an oversaturation. The momentum is huge here right now, and everybody's really excited, and that's a good thing. But we also have to remember that there is a finite level and a tipping point of you know oversaturation of the market for different new businesses and stuff like that. Yep. And that's why, I mean, as far as, you know, old business, we got plenty of great places to do a lot of stuff. For new stuff, I just need my laundry service. <laughs> yeah, all set. Yeah. Um, all right, guys, nice work. Uh, let's go on to this week's interview. Uh, Saturday. This is Saturday, it time to calculate savings? It is time to calculate savings. <laughs> uh, this, uh, this Saturday at 7 p.m., December 12th at the Utica Odd, is the, uh, the 11th annual Teddy Bear Toss sponsored by New York Sash. I would tell you to go buy a ticket, but guess what? It's already sold out. Record time, I think. Record, record yeah. time. Yeah. We had a chance to sit down with uh, New York Sash head honcho Scott Hayes. Now, I've never met Scott before, and this was a pretty long interview, about 20, 22 minutes. And you may say to yourself, what could you possibly have 22 minutes to talk about, about a hockey game and, and a guy who sells windows? You'd be surprised. Me and Scott Hayes had a really fascinating conversation. He is a very deep fascinating individual who's had a very, very interesting story, and uh, I'm glad we got to talk to him. Scott Hayes, we'll be back after the break. came back from New York City, one of the first things that happened was I got recruited onto the New York Sash volleyball team at, at 12th North. So we weren't very good, but I did my best to represent the company with, with high regards. <laughs> um, and we are here with Scott Hayes of New York Sash. Um, I didn't ask what your actual position is. What was, what's your, are you the owner? Are yeah, you the, I'm the owner. Well, you're the owner of New York Sash, which... Um, and I hope you don't take this the wrong way. For years, I knew the name of the company, but never had any idea what it did. When I was a kid, I remember seeing it. I remember it being everywhere. But only in the last few years have I understood what you guys actually do here. And I think that speaks to how active you guys are in the community outside of the business you provide. Well, in regards to the name, mm. um, I can I, I can understand why. <laughs> and a lot of folks don't know um, what the name means exactly <laughs> because if you're not in the in the window industry you don't realize that the operational portion of a double hung window is the sash really so so when 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 you're uh, Christmas time during uh, was the night before Christmas ran to the window and threw open the sash that's <laughs> one of the lines oh wow I never really thought that's about the that. window sash <laughs> so and there's also um, you know, there's terminology in the fashion world mm. of wearing a sash. Yeah. So I'll get emails from New York City of, of fashion people that are looking to uh, sell us clothing or something. Yeah. So it it is a little confusing because it's actually a part of a window. Yeah. And if you're not in the window industry, you may not realize exactly what that is. Um, years ago, when my father first started the company, um, and that was back in uh, 88, 89, mm. He didn't know what to name the company, and another company was just starting up and uh, going to do a very similar concept, and they were they were out in um, Worcester, Mass. Mm. 
And this gentleman out there said, well, I'm going to name my company New England Sash. Yeah. And my father said, well, then I'll call my company New York Sash. <laughs> so, I mean, that's how the, the, the name started. But, um, but I can understand that the name isn't really tied to, it doesn't give a clear picture for someone. So someone hears the name and says, oh, yeah, that's got to be a window company. <laughs> so, uh, well, I think, and that goes a long way, as I was mentioning, uh, you know, I've seen the name of of the business everywhere though. You guys have always seem it seemingly you've been very involved in the local community. Is that always been a big part of the company's MO is to be involved in the local community and try and support in other ways besides doing business? We made a big change uh when we moved here to Whitesboro. Mm. Um when we were in Rome, uh we were a, a smaller company. Um we came to this area, we bought this building and we made a commitment mm. to the area and really to our advertising that we're going to get our name out there and we're going to start local campaigns, whether it's through the charities that we work with. And what made a huge difference um, was getting involved with our television show. Yes. Um, with Open House. Open House gave us that platform to start to transmit the message and to help other organizations get their messaging out. Um, so that gave us the ability to, to donate airtime um, to local organizations, they can get their message out and we can participate in their campaigns, help them, whether it's to raise money, raise toys, whatever the campaign is. And I'm glad you brought that up because I think that's been an, that's one of the first places I ever saw you personally was on the open house show. And that's where I'm now connecting the, the face to the name. So yeah, that, that came about, um, we'll, we'll actually be on the air. Um, it'll be nine years this, uh, this coming March. So nine years. Uh, we traditionally do a new show every week. We only take a few weeks off. So we were producing a new show about 45 times, 45 to 48 times per year. So every single week, we only take off a week in the summer, a couple um, during the holiday season and run a repeat. Um, but I originally partnered up with uh, Bill Keeler. Oh, yeah. Way back. Um, and, and Bill had a show that was just about real estate. Mm -hmm. And it was still called Central New York's Open House, but it was just showing homes that were for sale in the, in the area. Yeah. Um, and then my um, we took the show over from Bill, and then my wife Jill hosted it for the first five years, and I've done it for the last four. Hmm. Excellent. Uh, I do want to talk about the 11th annual Teddy Bear Toss that's coming up, but before we get to that, I have two interesting facts that I heard about you that I didn't know today, and I wanted to run them by you. Mm -hmm. The first fact was that you used to play in a punk band. Correct. Called Civ was the name of it? Well, we'll call it S-I-V. S-I-V. S-I-V, Civ. Uh, what did you play, man? I was the lead singer. Wow, really? Mm -hmm. I feel you, man. I was the lead singer in a band, too. It's uh, it's tough. Like, How long has it been since you've been playing? We, uh, let's see. We were probably ended our career back in the, oh, mid-90s. Mid-90s? I'd say probably yeah. stopped playing around 95 um, but we played from probably about 85 to 95, somewhere it's in that range. Right there. You're missing uh, it all ever? Oh, I, I guess there's always a part of you that misses it a little bit. Yeah, I don't miss the actual grind of of being out, you know, at bars three nights a week and carrying my gear. But there's always part of me that sort of misses being up on stage in front of people. Well, that part of it you do miss, yeah. And the late nights, I don't know if... It's not normal to be out all night, um, but um, we only played out a couple of times a month because our shows were such a production. Oh, yeah. I mean, we had 
we we had a lot of people. We had a lot of people come to our shows. Oh, yeah. There was some, most of the bars that we played in have all burned down. Oh yeah, so most gone. <laughs> most of my haunts have all vanished as well. So they're all gone. But we'd get uh, three, four, five hundred kids at a show. So it was uh, we'd have some big shows out in Rome. We played all over the state. Um, it's uh, it was very interesting. Well, that's an awesome. That's awesome. I'm so glad I found that out about you. And then the other one. Do you want to know what SIV stands for? Yes, please tell me. Self induced vomiting. <laughs> that's pretty good. I did not expect that. <laughs> I thought it was just like, oh, Sid must be sudden short. <laughs> See, now I now I learned. And the other fact about you that I really appreciate is you have a degree in culinary arts. Yes. And you were the original owner of the Pumpernickel Deli. Yes. That's yep. awesome because that's one of my long time favorite spots in the city kind of an underrated establishment i don't know how you're connected to them now but i i remember pumpernickel going back before i even knew what it was i think just another local establishment that was my uh that was my first true business venture um i started that in 1986 i was 22 and uh we opened up this small restaurant um, in the New Hartford Shopping Center, and then began to grow. We opened another restaurant um, on Genesee Street, and mm -hmm. then we opened another restaurant downtown, mm -hmm. and then we closed the restaurant downtown, and then we closed the yeah. uptown, and we, we scaled back to yeah. the New Hartford location. Mm -hmm. um, I sold it to uh, Philip Amodio. Mm -hmm. um, gosh, I think it's 20, 23 years ago or something. I think huh. I sold it to him in 94. Wow, really? 22, 23 years huh. ago. Yeah, and uh, he's grown the business. I wrote the original menu, the dancing pickles. It's great. That whole routine, <laughs> you know, and uh, it was a neat concept, and we we did we did well with it for the yeah. six eight years that I owned it. Well, it's fascinating to me, you know. So you so you graduate in eighty six, you said. I graduated in eighty two. Eighty two. So in eighty six, you're twenty two years old. You had this culinary degree. You opened the the restaurant. How did you end up here? This many years later, what was the road from there to here? Well, originally, my father owned one of the most popular seafood restaurants in central New York. Mm. And this was back from in 1972, and he sold it in 1986. And it was mm. called the Unwind Inn. Unwind Inn. And, my, and it was 910 Floyd Avenue, Rome. My father owned a seafood restaurant. He wore, and he got into the craziest TV commercials. Mm. You, I mean, it was wild. <laughs> he wore a yellow rain slicker. <laughs> And his bet was the shrimp's on me. So all the all the peel and eat shrimp you could consume in the cocktail lounge while you waited for your table. Now I worked in the kitchen and I cooked the shrimp and iced the shrimp oh, and yeah. washed the dishes and did all that stuff in the back <laughs> of the house when I was a kid. Um, but the restaurant was wildly successful. Mm. Uh, people would wait two, three hours for a table. And uh, it was quite a business for the 12 years that it operated. And so I grew up in the restaurant business. That's all I knew. That's the only right. thing I knew. That's the only thing I could conceptualize. I still have a hard time now. Sometimes I get so used to it. It took me a long time to, to change over to like an office job. It's yeah. a strange transition. Well, it's a different, you live in a different type of universe. Oh, yeah. I mean, when you're in the restaurant industry, you um, communicate with restaurant people because you all work, um, you're working for the public who's, yes. who's on their downtime. Yeah. So restaurant folks go into work in the afternoon and work all night, have to close the kitchen down, and they usually have a drink at the bar and usually close the bar down. Where the, the nine to fivers, 
they get out of work and go to the restaurant. Oh, yeah. so, so you're there to provide them with a service. So your schedule is is the opposite yeah. of what a, a regular nine to five Monday through Friday person would be. You're more like evenings and then full through the weekend. Sure. And you have Mondays. You might have Mondays off. A lot of restaurants close on Mondays. Mondays, Tuesdays might be your day off. So that's all I knew. That's, yeah. that's all I could conceptualize as a child from the age of, I think my father bought the restaurant. I was about six, seven years old. I'd work there, and then I went to school for it, got out of there. I worked at multiple restaurants, uh, and then started Pumpernickels. And then my father had sold his restaurant and decided to get a real job. So, so he, he was he was into sales. And there was a lot of uh, multi-level marketing companies back in the 80s he was involved in. And then uh, he said to me, he goes, I got to get a real job. So he went to go sell windows. Mm. And he called me and said, this is a tremendous business. We should think about doing mm. this together. I said, well, I have pumpernickels. I, you know, I, I'm, right. I'm busy with, with, with my business endeavor. And, and uh, so he started the window company. And... Two years later, his partner left, and he called me back, and he said, are you sure you don't want to consider yeah. switching careers? And at that point, I had been, um, well, you slave at the restaurant. Yeah. You're there all the time, and if the dishwasher doesn't show up, you wash the dishes. It's, you know, you, you mop the floors at the end of the night. It's a tough business. It's overwhelming occasionally, and I, I did it in New York for such a long time, and you, I grew to resent it a little bit. It, it really it started to overwhelm the rest of my life. Like I could never, I felt like I could never have a real life anymore because I was so caught up in the grind of working this, just this insular lifestyle with, it's like what you were saying. These, the only people who understand are the people I'm working with. And now these are the people who I live my life with because they live the same hours as me and the rest right. of the world lives at their own pace. But I'm sorry, I mean, to get you off track. Well, they have the, the restaurant folks have a tremendous work ethic. Oh yeah. They work and they work extremely hard and there's many establishments that have a lot to be proud of in this area, but it's tough work. And when my father asked me, would you consider doing something different? At that point in my life, I was ready. Um, I didn't realize he was going to make me do every single job there was to do here at New York Sash. So I didn't realize I'd be, I, I was, I was running a restaurant and I would have to become an installer, but that was fine. It was probably for the best. But, you know, I, I came uh, to New York Sash in 1992 I installed Windows for two years, and then I uh, ran the marketing department for a few years. Back then, telemarketing was very common oh, yeah. um, for most businesses in this industry, and we had a dialer that would dial the phone for you, and we had kids that were on the phone. So I would install during the day, run the phone room at night, and then moved into the sales department. Um, so it took a number of years before I had uh, put my time in in each department, usually about two, two and a half years each department. Mm -hmm. Uh, before my father said, okay, take it over, take it away. So at that point, we decided, well, if we're going to take it away, let's move it move it into an establishment where we're more um, visual, mm -hmm. where we can be seen, where we can be known. And, and some of that had to do with the laws changing. I mean, sure. te telemarketing laws changed drastically. Yes. And it became um, an industry that was shunned by everyone. It's like, oh, get on the do not call list. So, oh, yeah. So with that transition, we had to change how we went to market. Mm -hmm. So we became a company that was much more accustomed to face-to-face -face marketing and getting into home shows, trade shows. Mm -hmm. um, we had uh, kiosks at malls. And then we, we moved here to Whitesboro, bought the building, 
established a showroom and then continued to grow the business here. Then remodeled the showroom and uh, took over the TV show and really branded ourselves um, as my wife and I were extremely heavily involved in, in everything. Um, and we have so much family here. Yeah. It really is let our family take care of your family. I mean, it's myself, my wife, um, my sister-in-law, you know, I mean, you know, Katie, she's my other sister-in-law. Oh, yeah. Jenny's my other sister-in-law and Jeff, my installation manager is my brother-in-law. And we have a lot of close knit family. We have second generation here now. My, my daughter works here. And it makes a difference, uh, you know, huge, huge. It makes a difference to come into work and not, and feel like you, you feel like you have support on multiple levels, on a business level and on an emotional, personal level too. I can't imagine, you know. Well, we're all... We're all committed to each other and the family, but we're also committed to the success of the business. And it's important to us that we're that we do the right thing because we all have each other to report to. Now, um, so you've been here for twenty plus years, which yep. means you've been here for every year. This is the eleventh annual Teddy Bear Toss this year on December twelfth, Saturday at seven p.m. at the Utica Odd. So you've been there since uh, since the first. How did this idea come about? Like what? When did you guys decide to do this? Well, it was it was back in the time where I, I was working with Bill Keeler, and we were doing. He was handling some of our advertising. Um, Coach Gary Heenan had just started um, at Utica College, and he was trying to come up with concepts mm -hmm. to um, really to to bring his hockey team and his program to another level. He came in. There was no hockey program before yeah. Gary came in. So he had to create something. Well, he saw this idea up in Canada, and I believe it was in Calgary. Mm. Um, Calgary had this teddy bear thing where they'd throw the teddy bears out onto the ice. He thought it was the coolest idea, so he, he came. He knew Bill. He was always on Bill's show. He went to Bill, and he said, do you know anybody that would be interested in trying this out? And the three of us got together, and I loved the idea. I thought it was tremendous. Now, for the uninformed, the concept is, is it when the first goal is scored in the game? Um, the, it's the first goal by Utica By College. Utica College. Yeah. Because um, I had heard, so were there trials in, like, were there trials initially? Did this, this wasn't, did this go smoothly immediately, or did it take time to? Um, this is the 11th year. It's never gone smoothly. <laughs> never once. <laughs> 10 years. It's been <laughs> 10 years, and we, and I wanted this year to be stress-free, but this year has had its, its amount of stress also. Um, smooth, it, it, the result is always tremendous. Mm -hmm. I mean, we've grown from year one, 400 teddy, beer, teddy bears, yeah. all the way up to last year, year 10, 4,000 teddy bears. Oh, yeah. We had 4,100 last year. But, yeah, there's been all sorts of goofy things that have happened. Um, you know, there was one year where we scored within 92 seconds. No one was ready to go get the teddy bears. We were, we were running to the back with our bags and trying to get ourselves organized. There was one year that um, they thought they scored a goal. The, the guy that keeps track pressed the button by accident. They called the goal off. Hundreds of teddy bears had already come onto the ice. Coach Heenan was, man, he was irritated. Oh. He's out on the ice telling everybody to stop. And then people were just, a couple stragglers would fly, and he was like, okay, bring it up, bring the bears in. So they had to throw the bears, and we went and cleaned them up, even though it was a, a no-goal. Um, and then, of course, last year, which was a very stressful year, mm. um, we didn't score a goal at all. Yes. Every single interview that I that I ever did for the years leading up to last year, yeah. The question would always come up. They would say, "What if you don't score a goal?" Yeah. 
And uh, Heenan and I would say the same thing. Oh, it'll never happen. <laughs> of course. Never happen. Of course. Never happen. <laughs> and, of course, Keeler, when you're on Bill's show now, mm-hmm. Bill's like, so what's gonna, what are you guys going to do if you don't score a goal? It's like, Bill, I want you to stop saying that. He goes, well, you never know. And last year, mm-hmm. no goal. We threw the Bears at the end of the game. Mm-hmm. There was still over 4,000. Yeah. Um, but I'd have to say it was it was a little stressful, oh, you yeah. know, standing there for the whole – I have about 100 – family members and volunteers and little children ready to go pick them up and waited hour after hour after period after period and uh but this year uh this year we're looking forward to a, another great game you know last time we played this team Salve Regina we beat them 12 to 3 I nice. think so we're hoping to score a few goals my prediction is at least 7 nothing that's my prediction at least <laughs> um Scott I do appreciate that you've given us this much time I know I've forced you to stay later at work than you probably meant to today. Uh, But there was one thing that was brought up to me, and I wanted to ask if this is true. Uh, Katie has mentioned to me that you guys have a teddy bear wall of shame for the rejected teddy bears. Is this true, or is this uh, conjecture? Well, the the wall of shame only lasts for a few days because we, we discard the wall of shame because there are... We do get some teddy bears in yeah. that are um, not quite so desirable. <laughs> so, it's very and, polite. And my son and I sort. We actually um, we sort every single teddy bear. Yeah. We sort them. We inspect them. We make sure that they're um, ready for a donation. I don't want to have anything go through the donation process that's not right. a- appropriate. So we make sure that we we sort everything mm. in case something that's ripped, torn, you know, is, uh, something's damaged. And we discard it. But back in the old days, before you had to buy a ticket for this game, you actually got in for free if you just brought a teddy bear. Really? And some people would bring... I I saved this one. Oh, no. I I only saved one ever. (laughs) Because this was the smallest one. (laughs) What is that? A little lobster. A little lobster. (laughs) Somebody brought that, got in for free... And then threw it on the ice. I'm gonna take a picture of this for the uh, for the the Instagram. Yeah, that was this. That was the only one I ever kept because it's like you gotta be kidding me. This is what you brought for your donation. They got you know they'd show it at the door, got in for free with that. <laughs> and I wish you people could see this right. It's about this. It's smaller than the size of my hand. It's oh. like a it's like a McDonald's toy almost. <laughs> so. So we would we would uh, pick out the wall of shame or what we would call the wall of shame, and my son would line them up, and he's like, "Dad, look at how ugly that one is. That one looks like it." And some of them would, somebody would clean their closet, mm-hmm. and you'd have a one of those teddy bears, and engraved on the foot would have the year. Mm-hmm. Well, we have bears say nineteen eighty six on the bear. <laughs> you know, I mean, it was it was two thousand thirteen, and we'd have a nineteen eighty six bear. <laughs> so we would establish the wall of shame that we're. Not uh, ready for donation. <laughs> so, yes, that is true. But we do sort. We yeah. sort and count everything. Well, Scott, I think, I really do think that this teddy bear toss, it seems like every year the success goes up and up, and I'm, and I'm, I'm very honored that you had us in here to, you know, to let us talk to you today. Uh, besides the obvious places, NewYorkSash.com, uh, on Twitter, at NewYorkSash, where can people uh, see CNY Open House? When do you guys do the, do you know exact times for when the show's on? Uh, when the TV show runs yeah. on air, uh, we're on every Sunday morning at 11 a.m. on WKTV. Um, we're right on after Meet the Press. Um, it's on the CW at 10.30. Um, we're also on Fox um, after the football games on Fox. Uh, we run at 10 o'clock and oh, at nice. 
Um, then there's a couple of cable runs on PNY. That tends to be uh, when I catch it. The post football one seems to be about right yeah, for me. Yeah. Right at, at ten and ten thirty, we run it back to back. Um, a total of um, six to seven times per week that one show will air on Sundays. December 12th, folks, at 7 p.m. at the Utica Odd, the 11th annual Teddy Bear Toss, sponsored by New York Sash. Scott, thank you so much. I really appreciate the time. And uh, we'll be back with the show in just a moment. again to scott hayes really really cool guy solid solid dude um so i had another question from the mailbag question that jeremy sent us earlier again jeremy williams killing it today with the mailbag question good work buddy um and this one ties into a tragedy that happened earlier this this week month the passing away of uh legendary frontman scott wyland Huge fan. Huge fan. You listened to a lot of Stone Temple Pilots last week. You played a lot of it. I could hear yes. it coming through the wall. I was in mourning. I feel like Stone Temple Pilots, because we went through it and you were listening to a ton of it, is one of those bands that went on so long with a bad rap for being like just sort of like, you know, some of the worst parts of like, you know, more watered down, like grunge stuff coming out of the early 90s. Like they sort of got written off as a joke. And a lot of their songs that were big hits for them, I don't generally like. Mm-hmm. But by that same token, when listening to them, they probably didn't get enough respect after a long time. Like, Stone Temple Pilots got a handful of songs that are really good. And Scott Weiland, I've seen, um, I had seen Scott Scott Weiland live once with STP, and he put on a great show. Yeah. Yeah. And it's a sad thing. We, talk, was, we talk about it a lot, too, when somebody dies of a drug overdose. Yeah. Terrible thing, anyway. He, I mean, the fact that he made it to 48, he, like, probably doubled his expected lifespan. Like, that guy was a That's disaster. True. But, um, and a lot of creative people are in ways, too. But STP, I discovered, was... Not in the 90s necessarily when I was, like, a kid liking them through that phase, but they did, like, a thank you DVD um, best of hits that actually came with, like, a DVD of all of their live bootleg video camera, like, real grungy, like, type of stuff. And when you watch them as a performer... He was just that a good stage presence and that type of stuff. So, like, that's where I kind of got Like, I know he a, came to Utica. He played at Hannah Park, and he was a colossal scumbag to everybody he was involved with. Really? Was Sounds about right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember that. Yeah, yeah. No, he was, you were gone when he came and played, but he played at Hannah Park for something. He was just a, you know, complete jerk to a lot of people and stuff like that. But you're right. It's crazy to survive for, like, yep. that long. Because I expected, I remember at the end of the 90s, people were talking yep. about this STP guy's not going to make yeah. it. Um, I don't have much of a take on STP. I've said it before. I will continue to say it. STP is the perfect example of a theory that I've come up with. They're a greatest hits band. Yeah. All I need is the greatest hits album. I don't need every single specific release they've ever had because the Greatest Hits album covers pretty much all I ever really wanted to hear from Stone Temple Pilots. Yeah, you're right. Um, That being said, the whole point, the lead-up of this, was a question that was sent in by Jeremy Williams. Um, (laughs) Who is your favorite band with a previous member from at least one other uh, famous band? It's an interesting question. Scott Weiland, of course. Best known for being in Stone Temple Pilots, yep. and then also went on to be Revolver. in the band Velvet Revolver. Velvet Revolver with yeah, those yeah. dudes from Guns N' Roses, yeah. Yeah, with yeah. the guys from Guns N' Roses. Well, you could, Roses. I mean, you could cop out, I guess, because, like, theoretically, Jimmy Page was in the Yardbirds before he was in Led Zeppelin, and they had some hits. Yeah, so, that's true. Like, you could there's, just a couple, there's a couple of... There's, there's a couple, couple of ones like that. Like that. Yeah, like, uh, I don't know, yeah. 
But I'm trying to like I'm Simon trying, and Garfunkel count because I love Paul Simon. No, no, so I'm, like it's not like he they're in solo, band. It's like with the that's, you, gotta, you know what I mean? You yeah, gotta think of sense. a band that's in the right. spirit of the question. Yeah. I got one for you. This is one that I really like. This is a little bit fringe. It has two of my two of my more appreciated bands of all time. Radiohead, obviously I love. Red Hat Chili Peppers, I oh, appreciate. I like where you're going. Uh, Radiohead's Tom York and uh, Red Hat Chili Peppers Flea are in a side project band called Adams for Peace, which is Awesome. Awesome. Really, oh really good. Maybe the best thing wanna, Flea's done in 10 years. I, I was just like, well, I'm going to go, I think Gorillaz Qualify, right? Because the guy was in Gorillaz Qualify. Yeah, yeah, Gorillaz qualified. was one of those yeah. ones where I was like waiting to Gorillaz before I like caught on to the fact that he was Ooh. in Blur. Like this didn't dawn on me. I don't me, think people know that, that Derek Gorillaz Album was, in, was too, in Blur. And it was not humongous. Not even was in Blur. He was in Blur. He was the main guy. Yeah. And they were huge. They were like Oasis level for a while. Yeah, like... It's, they went toe to toe over in England. It was a yeah. big deal. It's well, not an over under this week, but if Gorillas was an over under, underrated. Wait, gorillas yeah. are absolutely. Gorillas underrated. are highly underrated. Crazy good, and they keep getting better Crazy. as they kick stuff out too. Which also, is- I think uh, you look at you look at a guy like Jack White, who's had mm-hmm. like four or five like great bands. Not like I like the White Stripes. I like his solo records. I like Dead Weather. Mm-hmm. I like the Raconteurs. I like that Raconteurs album. Yeah, That's for sure. He doesn't get enough of credit because I think he's a little bit weird and sketchy in real life and his personality. He's kind of a dick. Too. Kind of the a dick, same, but kind a of. lot of the like with Scott Wine, what type of thing? A lot of these guys are so consumed in that but specific part you're of bound their to life give that like personality. Types. None of us. Yeah, you don't matter. Like press appearances, media too. That shit. That doesn't matter to them. They want to make music, you know. So you kind of come off as like, Ugh, you know. Now I'm guy. trying to think of guys who went to other bands afterwards that were terrible, right? Like. Gavin Rossdale was in Bush, and Bush was only so good. How about good, this? Tool then... sucks anything. Oh. Whoa. Oh. Hot take. Oh. I hate Tool. Moving on. Moving on. There's your answer to that question. Um, anything related to Tool. So thanks, Jeremy. Uh, good good question. I like that one. Solid. Go get that Adams for Peace album. Any, yeah. <laughs> it's really good. Anytime, anytime we can get like really out on the limb on music, it's a good time on the show for me. Well, don't worry. I got an over-under for us that relates to that, too. Okay. But let's move on to some over-unders for this week. You ready, guys? Overrated, underrated. Dishwashers. Yes. <laughs> Overrated. <laughs> Parkinson, make your point to why I should use my dishwasher more. Yeah, because you have it. That's really my only point. Um, a big thing of us moving in was that we had a dishwasher, and I thought it was crazy that you didn't use it. Through We've had a birthday party Friday and Thanksgiving the week before. Using that dishwasher to plow through dishes like that's amazing. Mm-hmm. Way underrated for like big gatherings. Day-to-day basis, I'm actually swinging back to your guys' side on overrated because I still have to pre-wash the dishes that I'm, I'm like, you can't yeah. just stick, my stick them two, in the rack, so why? My two big knocks there, against you know? dishwasher. Number one, just like you just said, a lot of times you put stuff in the dishwasher, the food doesn't even come out. Yeah. Now, if I have to pre-wash my dishes, I might as well finish it, yeah. the job. And something about a dishwasher, the same thing I was talking about, I don't like laundry before as well. Um, I don't like having to set something and then wait for it to be done. Yeah. In my mind, like, yeah, I can set it and the dishwasher won't make me do the, you know, just absolute terrible, arduous slave labor of gently wiping a dish and running under water, which is so hard for you, apparently. No, I, I like, do both. I'm going to do man versus machine. This Sam versus my dishwasher to no, see what, what comes I'll, out cleaner. That'd what I'm well saying well. is, like, it's just it's so much easier to just run through it. And I think, yeah. Sam, you might, you might agree with this. I think coming from a background in working in restaurants and stuff... I'm so used to just, like, having to blow through dishes for something mm-hmm. and just wash. Like, okay, you have 20 uh, minutes, you got to wash all these dishes. Yeah. You just put your head down and do it. Put on some music, it becomes almost zen to wash dishes by hand. It's not like it's hard yeah. work. 
that's one of the. Th- I have three things that are pro dishwashing. I'll tell you one. One is the Zen thing you mentioned. One of my. I'm a little bit crazy like that. I need certain like things like that to sort of get me back to space. I'll put like a podcast on or some music. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'll sit in the kitchen or I'll watch a soccer game while I'm doing it and do the dishes and just kind of zone out. It's not bad. It's good for my mental state. Yeah. Number two. I kind of forget we have a dishwasher sometimes. I've noticed this before. I literally forgot until this segment he yeah. said it that we had. Like, there are many times that even we've talked about it where I've had a ton of dishes. Right now there's a lot of dishes yeah. out there. And I could just put them in the dishwasher. But a lot of times I'll be there doing the dishes and then halfway through I'll look down and go, oh, yeah, I have a dishwasher. Why don't I just use it? Uh, but then that leads to the third reason for why dishwashers are overre- uh, overrated. And that's um, I've already started not using it. So just Dude, like, there's like some principle to it now. Yeah. It's like you know what I'm like. It's just a whole that. Am I that much of a quitter? Yeah. Uh, yeah, come yeah. on, I can wash these dishes. So I think washing dishes is kind you know, of underrated. A mom, family of four. Uh, well, you know, things like sure. that. So in circumstances, sure. that thing's probably so great because it gives you time to go uh, do something else. But well, that's for our as lifestyle, as a, we don't need As a uh, single guy whose life is so easy that I can talk myself into washing dishes being, like, fun and enriching, <laughs> it's nice for me. But, like, for if I had, if I had like, four kids and I was running around doing yeah. this and that, going through just piles of dishes, I'm sure I would That might be a push. More. I don't know. Push. It's tough. It's I'm going to really push. Rigid. Yeah, I'm going to go push. All right. Let's move on to something else. Uh... Earlier today, it was announced the nominees... Is this another over-under? Over-under, yeah, yeah. Another over-under here. Uh, It was announced that uh, the Grammy nominations for 2016 are out, leading the way, of course, our girl, Taylor Swift. Oh, she's going to win it all. Everything. She's going to win a lot. Overrated or underrated the Grammys? Underrated? It's easy to be real, like, snarky and ironic and be like, oh, LOL, the Grammys. And, like, yeah, they don't really talk about any, like, great real music, Mm. like... Out of out of everybody who was nominated, I'm sure I could find just as many records that I that I think were ten times better that came sure. out this year. So I understand that, but the Grammys as a spectacle is a lot of fun. I'm a sucker for live music performances mm-hmm. in any way, shape, or form, and they like don't really get wild and do different stuff like that. And I don't know if this happens much anymore. Ever since we've started this show and we've gotten busy with Made in Utica, and I've had to do some social media stuff for work, I've kind of abandoned my personal Twitter account. Yeah. But I remember in years past when something like the Grammys, the VMAs, yeah. something like that would be on TV. Everybody, it's like like eight or nine of your yeah, friends. Everyone's are everybody's a Grammys fan. Well, no, no, not, no, not even every, not even from such a cynical perspective. But like everybody just sits there and live tweets mm-hmm. it, and like makes jokes, yeah, and interacts. That was when Twitter was some of its most fun for me. It was during like Grammys and stuff like that a couple of years ago. It was like. 10, 12 people that we That's all knew a, on, like, doing jokes and reactions yeah. all around just with each other in that this cuts public into, forum. That cuts into Twitter, though, because Twitter in general, the best times to ever use Twitter in general are when there's either, like, sporting events Something or, big or going some on, yeah. live event that people can't watch in their own, right? Like, anytime you have to watch some... Like, I'm getting off on a tangent on Twitter, but, like, anytime there's, like, a TV show, like, you guys yeah. are both Leftovers fans, right? Like, there's a real possibility that if you go on Twitter on Sunday night yeah, yeah, and didn't watch Leftovers, yeah. it's going to get ruined for you, True. right? But when you're watching an event like this, Live a event, singular yeah. event, yeah. it does become sort of an experience that you ha- you have to appreciate at the moment or else it doesn't matter anymore. Yeah. Uh, that being said, I think the actual award of winning a Grammy is overrated because most of the musicians that I, in my heart, feel like are the greatest musicians of all time... Will never. Will never win a yeah, Grammy, yeah. right? But the... But I agree with you on this. The actual event of the Grammys. I like to watch people play music. It's a music. fun show. Like well, it's just a fun time. Yeah, I, 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 I watch enough it. trash on TV yeah. where like, I can do a little bit of Grammys. Well, I love, like we were just talking about with Scott Weiland, I love live music 
like watching it live when I go to go I like going to shows but on TV like um, even with the Super Bowl that place is so big there's so little time there's set changing like all these things it just yeah. makes you wonder like a place like the Grammys or the Super Bowl or these big spectacles how much of it's actual music and how much is just entertainment performance very little mm. exactly so I like to I watch it on TV merit. I'm not going to the Grammys no no I know that's what I'm saying it's like when I'm watching like a Super Bowl or Grammys I'm not into the performances per se because I don't even think they're singing the entire somebody, song because you just physically can't do that song you know, well, no, no you know what though honestly um, this this is a fundamental difference that me and him will be on the side of fence for you because as a musician, like as somebody who, you know, plays and has played live shows and done all this stuff, it is eminently interesting to me to watch what these people choose to do and even the little stuff to try to see, like, are they really doing that or is that really tracked yeah. or how did they set up or what are these production details? It's the same thing, like, when I talk to you and you watch some video because you've done a lot of video work, stuff that you appreciate and pay attention to is stuff that I don't even see. Yeah. And I think it's the same thing. I love watching just from the perspective of, like, even for the little bits of, like, you know, when they have, like, Paul McCartney go up there and sing a song with like John Mayer just to like look at their gear yeah. and look oh, at their yeah. backing band and like see how many guys they have set out and to yeah. see like what their setup is. It like is at times stuff is. you may never see again too. Pairing performances and stuff like that's that. That's so, also but. true. Um, yeah, no, that's a good point though. You know, I think the Grammys too, they're a little more apt to just throw some people who you wouldn't normally see together and be like, let's put these three people together. Let's put Kanye and I'm a sucker for that. Like when they do those rock and roll Hall of Fame performances where they're like, yeah, we're going to have Prince, Bruce Springsteen and you know, Snoop Dogg. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I've yeah. seen fire and I've seen rain. Like, oh, is, I'm, I love watching yeah. those the things where they put people together that you're just not going to see like that anymore. All right, uh, very nice call, guys. So we are all we all sort of like the Grammys. Then very good. All right, um, Kevin, you went to an unnamed breakfast buffet this week. I went to a breakfast buffet at a local hotel here in town. Overrated or underrated? All you can eat buffet. Here's why this came up. We were talking about putting this on the show. So I went out. This I went out. And we had you know a nice commemorative uh, family brunch on Sunday, and we went out and it was beautiful. Our service was exceptional. The room was beautifully appointed. They had a variety of wonderful different foods out there. I say that the buffets are overrated because you get out there, you never know what the quality of the food's going to be like. Cause you never know how long it's in these trays, and you get out there and you realize as, I, as I'm 30 years of age. Like, me and my brother were walking in, like, oh, man, buffet. There's all this food. We're going to do this and that. And then you get in there, and you're just, like, you have, like, a plate of food. You're like, oh, I'm kind of full. Yeah. <laughs> like, this is kind of it. No, overrated They're no buffets. dummies. Like, they're running a business, you know? They're trying to keep food there's on the table, not take it off. Yeah, well, even on top of it, there's a lot of breading in those things. There's a lot of pasta. There's a lot of, you know... Things that are just gonna fill you up. So I like, noticed that, that everything is strategic to make sure you don't. I make noticed a few everything. Turns. Everything I got was very, very bland. <laughs> like the mashed potatoes were bland. The rice pilaf was bland. Uh, the home fries were bland. All this different stuff because it was a brunch. So they had breakfast and like yeah, lunch, sure. dinner food. And then I'm sitting here. I'm like, Jesus, why is everything so bland? And I look around myself, and almost every other table is you know old folks yeah. and stuff like that. And it was, it was just made to be like. It was strange because I almost felt like I was in, like, a nursing home type thing. There was, like, one other family. There's all these old folks. Like, well, no wonder the mashed potatoes don't taste like anything. Like, Non-threatening breakfast. Yeah. yeah, pretty much. $27 brunches overrated. Um, $8 Chinese buffets. Wait, <laughs> Here's the thing. Though, I, here, this is generally the point that I, I want to make with stuff like this. And it goes for almost any restaurant, okay? I always prefer a restaurant that has 10 items that it does really, really, really well than 100 items where only 10 of them are any good. I right? agree with that. Yeah. You, go to a fast, you go to a buffet, and you're inherently going to make the mistake of ordering 
uh, and it, or getting stuff with breading on it or stuff that's kind of heavy. Mm. Like you almost, and you're inherently going to try stuff you don't want that's not any good. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You sort of almost a waste have, of space in your stomach. Like when I go through that first buffet, yeah. like it's funny because I'll get like two pieces of whatever because I want to try everything so I can make a cognitive decision to go back the second time and be like, this is what was good. This is what I'm going back yeah. for. I think a buffet is, I think a buffet is overrated because part of me does, there's two things. One, part of me does sort of see the like disgusting, like evil side of America that is just like, I'm going to eat as much food that I can shove in my fat face as possible for this amount of money. <laughs> right? That kind of skees me out a little bit. And also, it's kind of like what you said. Like, I just, you know, that stuff's been out there for a, for a minute, right? Like, that food's all been out there for a well, while. Like the place, the place I went to this weekend, and I won't name it because I'm not trying to disparage. Like, they, you know, they run a nice business and everything. But like, on one side of their, the way they had it set up, like one of their lines of the the hot trays. Uh, what's underneath when you take a hot tray of food you put it in what's called a chafer and yeah. chafer is basically a larger pan filled with water with a heat element underneath it it heats the water the water heats the whole pan and so I heard halfway through because I happened to know somebody who was working there they're like oh it's been such a long day somebody forgot to turn the chafers on all the way down this line and like I remember I had went and my stepmom had said she's like I got this salmon the salmon's like a piece of ice and she looks at me because she knows I've worked in restaurants she's like is that like a a thing? They, <laughs> she's like, she's like, do they do that sometimes? Like, I've got like all the food out, <laughs> yeah. and I'm just like, I don't really know, man. I didn't, I didn't really get anything from that side. I was like a little bit hungover, and I was kind of full from the breakfast part, and I was like, I'm done eating. I'm just drinking coffee. But like, so that that's a whole thing. So there's this big tray of like slimy of, pink cold fish. There's a lot of maintenance, room for error, and there's a lot of wild cards. In yeah, there that's is. the problem. A lot of room for error. So what do we say? I'm saying, I'm saying underrated. With the caveat, push. That I'm gonna I, go push again. But you know what the thing is too with buffets. I love to go to a wedding where they've got just like buffet food style set up. Like we went to uh, our friend Aaron Janae's wedding this summer. Shout out to those guys. Great wedding. Lovely people. Um, the best. The best. Re- really the best kind of owes people. Owes me a crown. The best kind of people you could ever know. They were at MKJ Farms and they had a buffet set out that was like barbecue and a bunch of stuff like that. And everything was amazing. So, like, a really small, curated, yeah. like, catering to buffet. Say, yeah, ten good that's things. The, I like the idea of having yeah. my plate and choosing how much I get yeah. of what I want. But, like, going to here's 12 bucks, eat all the food, wildly overrated. I don't know. If you got a point, Park, go ahead. and We're, we're wrapping up here. Do you want to make a point about buffets? It's it's hit or miss. Ponderosa trash. You know what I mean? <laughs> no, no. <laughs> um, the place across town, expensive. Chinese buffet, right down the middle. Like it could go either way for me. You know, I'm, gonna, I'm, gonna I'm with Kevin on this particular one. Overrated. I'm just gonna reach out there and say this. Okay, we need to step up the items, specifically in Utica. This is a very Utica thing. We need to step up the specific items we see in a standard buffet because I feel like anytime I go to any Utica event, I can guarantee to see <laughs> greens, some sort of baked chicken, right? Yep. Like some sort of regular chicken. Uh, some kind of mediocre ziti, and then, like, a bland salad. Uh, and you cannot forget about the cornerstone, as uh, Anthony Colenza's father likes to say, the cornerstone of any, like, Utica party buffet, sausage and peppers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you'll get sausage and peppers, you'll get some oh, lame ziti, God. or even worse, you'll get, like, some offensive tomato pie, offensive tomato pies in there, yeah. Oh, Don't cheap out on regis. That's the thing. When people style. try to do a full tray, it doesn't generally work. But, yeah, yeah no, you always see, like, the same four dishes uh, in the buffet. Yes. Just think that bizarre baked chicken that nobody wants because no like, yeah, yeah, they're not full from like the terrible ziti. Yeah. Exactly. I'd rather have the terrible ziti than the baked chicken. I feel like generally more often. Than no question. Yeah. No question. Guys, nice work this week. Um, again, five dollar donation 
to the GoFundMe. Get you a personalized SF Doom CD. Get in CD line. Get in line behind me. I went to that, every day. And expect then also, arrival, please. I would love that. That also means anybody who's already donated, expect your CDs as well. Yes. <laughs> yes, of course. Um, keep donating. Operation Unicast. We will continue to share that on our Twitter as we move forward. And uh, the holidays are coming up, so get your Christmas shopping done. Be kind with the people you love. Nice work, Kevin. Hey, we're done. Thanks for it, Justin. Appreciate it. Miss you, Aaron. <laughs> <laughs>